I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, Terminator 2 came out in 1991 and a year later we were treated to Jean-Claude Van Damme giving us his take on an emotionless killing machine learning what it is to be human as he's pursued by Dolph Lundgren's other killing machine who is less interested in reintegrating into society and more interested in collecting people's ears. But is this movie just a clone of Cameron's classic sci-fi, or is there more going on under the skin of Roland Emmerich's 1992 action fest, Universal Soldier? It was a top-secret government project. Pac-Man eyes. All of them. Designed to create the perfect soldier. No man would ever again have to die in the service of his country. Cryogenically preserved. Okay, guys. Memory clearance. Genetically enhanced. How's the picture? Pretty ugly. Very funny, very funny. Programmed to obey. They're at the tower. Okay, okay, here we go. Who are these guys? 30 hostages held inside the power station at the base of the structure. I said shut up! Go inside. Begin phase two. This marks the third successful mission for the Universal Soldier. But there was something they didn't count on. He's not responding. GR-44, do you read me? At the end of the mission, he became completely unresponsive. While in the blue corner, the future has never looked as dull as it does in this movie. After everything deemed unpleasant, like bad language and alcohol, has been made illegal. Clearly, they forgot to put dungarees on that list, as Wesley Snipes dons a truly upsetting pair. Think 90s acid house, and then try and stop thinking about it, as he runs amok on a killing spree in 2032, chased by Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock. Is this movie a prophetic vision of the way the world is going, or one joke stretched over a two-hour sci-fi from 1993? It's Demolition Man! 
At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm going to love running this place. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And here we are. Demolition Man and Universal Soldier going head to head. So Chris chose this week's movies. Today we're going to be doing Universal Soldier and we're back on Thursday to demolish Demolition Man. An interesting double bill, this one, Chris. And before we talk about them, you did put some clues on Twitter. We are at ClashPod on Twitter. If you'd like to join us, please join us. And... Here are the clues Chris gave. You gave three this week, didn't you, Chris? So we started with um, the clue for this pairing is frozen assets, which immediately got a response from Dino, who went with showgirls and wild things. They both had scenes with ice cubes on nipples, didn't they? Uh, To which you came back with, well, both films do feature nudity, but neither has a stripper. And your next clue was both are early 1990s movies. So here are some guesses that aren't Wild Things and Showgirls. Uh, Paul Jordan says The Thing versus 30 Days of Night. Um, Philip Paul Burns goes with Enemy State versus question mark, question mark, question mark. He he, he just chose one there, but thank you, Philip Paul Burns. Uh, And our first right guess for one of the movies came from Kyle Hedges. Well done, Kyle. He went Demolition Man which is one of the movies. Uh, Popcorn Movies joined in with Demolition Man versus Cliffhanger. Um, Giles Cudmore said, please let it involve fire, ice, and dynamite, a movie I've never heard of, uh, featuring Roger Moore, no less. Chris? Never heard of it. Right, okay. Uh, Russell's got California Man versus Forever Young. Um, And then Russell joined in with Demolition Man, and Cliffhanger, he's going with as well. Um, it's not Cliffhanger, obviously. Uh, Paul Jordan, um, <laughs> Paul Jordan got involved at this point because Russell says, um, Demolition Man, I don't remember it featuring any nudity. And Paul Jordan says, uh, do not Google image search Demolition Man nude. <laughs> <laughs> so the truth be told, no one got it right this week, but Kyle got Demolition Man. Chris, tell us why you've put these movies together. Actually, do you want us to guess? Uh, Go for it. Uh, I've only got one. It's (laughs) beefcakes in white socks. It's nice. Yeah, well, it's horrible, actually, but fine. I don't know. Is it because of the white socks thing? Yes, it is, sir. If they had black socks on, would it be less repulsive to you with your white sock weirdness? 
it would be ferociously attractive, but with, with the white socks. Beefcake and white it. socks sounds like a Morrissey lyric. <laughs> <laughs> he could have that. Uh, I've got a couple. Um, my connection is, what's the point in working out if you don't take your clothes off? Answer, there isn't one look at my body. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got another one here. Is the connection that the most frequently heard statement on both these film sets was, what can you bench? <laughs> I just <laughs> um, spat going... out my tea. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Was uh. it that the most frequently heard statement on both these film sets was, how hard can you punch? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> was it that the most frequently heard statement on both of these film sets was I'd win if we had a real fight <laughs> was was it that the most frequently heard statement on both of these film sets was we're going to stop filming while our stars have a race <laughs> that's nice <laughs> yeah, that's, a race uh, is a good idea, Alex. <laughs> uh, I'm done with my guesses. Chris, tell us the connection. I mean, the one thing I noticed this time is they're both films that inspired the opening sequence of Goldeneye, uh, the opening sequence of Demolition Man, and then the scene at the dam in uh, Universal Soldier. Uh, both oh. pretty, pretty specifically ripped off by Goldeneye, which was I was not expecting to see. Uh, True. But no, I've I, I've I've written down. It takes a frozen maniac to catch a frozen maniac. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> and the reason I picked uh, these films is actually because my missus, uh, when coronavirus all kicked off, she was saying, "Oh, we need to live like Demolition Man in terms of the no physical contact." Now that might be how we greet each other going forward. I just thought, "Oh, that's interesting." And then a couple of weeks back. Uh, Stallone said that he is developing a Demolition Man sequel that's definitely going to happen. So I thought, oh, it's in the news. It's in the world. Let's talk about Demolition Man. What can I pair it with? A couple more frozen beefcakes. So that <laughs> is your answer. I'm pleased to hear that Universal Soldier was very much an afterthought. You wanted to talk about Demolition Man and fuck it, Universal Soldier will do. It won't do, Chris, as we're going to find out as we go through Universal Soldier. Shall I begin? Begin. Thank you very much. Here is my introduction to Universal Soldier. War is hell. Also, I've heard, and in Universal Soldier, Dolph Lundgren has had it up to ear with <laughs> Vietnam. But after Jean-Claude Van Damme tries to stop his psycho Sarge, they both die fighting each other and their bodies are frozen, only to be woken up decades later, having been reanimated into super soldiers with their memories wiped just really badly wiped, like a proper botch job. Because faster than you can make a necklace out of human ears, their explosive grudge match kicks off again, with Dolph chasing Jean-Claude, who just wants to reconnect with his mum and dad. That is Universal Soldier in a nutshell. <laughs> These are the soldiers of the new millennium. Almost perfect. Almost human. Almost. They're not responding to our command. Under our control. Now, one will lead them to destroy mankind. The time of man has ended. And one will return. Luke Devereaux, the original Universal Soldier. To stop him. No, 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 no. Been there, done that. 
The only way is to blow them up and hope the pieces don't keep fighting us. What is your relationship with this movie, Victoria? Um, I had not seen this film, and even though I only watched it in the week, I have forgotten everything about it already. What did your kids? <laughs> what did your kids think of it, Vicky? <laughs> they thought it was too tame. <laughs> they wanted to know what Nam was like for me. <laughs> After watching Artex dying, they're up for some hard stuff now. They're like, we've we've been there. I keep flashing back to Artex's death in the swamp of misery. <laughs> Uh, it was a, um, it was a video watch for me, uh, obviously, uh, being when it came out uh, in that era when I think you know you'd get together with mates and watch a bunch of action films. Um, I remember it being not to give too much away to the verdict uh, coming up at the end of the next episode. I remember it being a bit better. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, I'm, I, I was quite surprised before I watched it. I had a, I had a, a quick look on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had a 29% approval rating, which quite surprised That's me. So I th- generous. I thought this was, I thought this was a relatively well received and well liked action movie, and I think it is quite, still quite well liked. I think it's a cult film. It obviously um, ended up with quite a few sequels. Uh, yeah, which we might touch upon later in the show, but um, yeah, so it was it was interesting. It was an eye opener uh, revisiting it. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think we should talk about the sequels a little bit later because I think they are, by all accounts, for the kind of people that this movie was made for, fans of violent action, better and actually deliver on that. But I had never seen this movie or before all the way through, uh, and it was an active decision. I made and I was trying to remember and what it was uh, this isn't a hey I once went traveling stories but I I once went traveling and I was in Thailand and the Koh San Road where all the backpackers stay in Thailand there's all these cafes and bars which play out movies on big screens uh, that people sit and watch while they're having a coffee or drink or whatever I, I, and I mean I know it's awful you go to Thailand there's all this culture it's a new experience and People sit in cafes watching movies. Uh, I watched so many movies when I was in Thailand in those cafes. Uh, friends that I was with were like, we're going to go trekking. I was like, cool, cool, cool. Speed 2 Cruise Control's coming on, so I haven't seen it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I genuinely watched Speed 2 Cruise Control in Thailand when I was meant to be traveling. Uh, so I saw a bit of Universal Soldier, and it was the truck cliff thing, the big truck going over the cliff. And I remember watching it going, this looks rubbish. I will never watch it. And I never did until you made me. Um, so thank you, I guess. It's a box ticked in my life. But what I, what I will it- say is I think it was a better film in 1992 than it is now because of the influence of films like Ong Bak and The Raid and stuff like John Wick we're getting. And, and the, the action has just gotten so much better in Western movies that this looks quite pedestrian now in comparison when I don't think it looked as bad in 92 when you were watching these two big guys, you know, kicking crap out of each other. But you see, that's the problem. Like, I think it looks pedestrian compared to other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies that Van Damme fans would have gone into this going, cool. Like, they don't actually have a physical fight until the very end. And even then it's like, meh, it doesn't deliver what you'd imagine fans of him or even Dolph Lundgren after Rocky IV would want from them so it's a sort of bewildering thing like who it's made for agreed agreed should we talk about the film <laughs> that we all hate 
<laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, all right, I got some backstory on it. So um, it was going to be directed by a man named Andrew Davis, uh, who uh, would go on to give us Under Siege and uh, The Fugitive. Um, but uh, Carol Co., uh, the now defunct studio, decided that they wanted Roland Emmerich to direct it after seeing his German language sci-fi film Moon 44. Have either of you seen that? No. I watched it last night. Oh, did you really? It's the kind of thing you would do. You are good. <laughs> and uh, it's English language. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's English language. Malcolm McDowell is one of the villains in it. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's a very sort of cut price uh, kind of alien uh, knockoff, but without an alien, but very sort of dirty, you know, science fiction, grubby. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And okay. it stars Dean it's Devlin, kind of... interestingly. Dean Devlin is one of the That's heroes true. in it. And that's how they met. And then Dean Devlin went on to write all his and co-produce all his big movies. Was it a situation where Dean Devlin was like, you are better than Moon 44. Let me write you something better than what this is and we can work together. Yeah, I mean, that's how it, that's how it worked out. Um, well, it has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, in fairness, uh, I haven't seen it. Chris has seen it, so it only has five reviews, so I don't think that's a fair analysis, but it does have 0%. Um, anyway, uh, the legendary producer, Mario Kazar, uh, saw it and decided to bring uh, Roland Emmerich on board with Dean Devlin, as Chris says. He was going to rewrite uh, the script. Um, Carol Co. Uh, were in a good place at this point. Uh, they'd done Terminator 2. Total Recall, just before this Basic Instinct had come out. Uh, so they'd had a, a fair few hits. And um, Dean Devlin says, loads of filmmakers and actors wanted to work for Carol Co. rather than other studios because, to quote him, you got paid more, but you also had more creative freedom. Uh, at this point, it is worth mentioning, Carol Co. went bankrupt due to massively overpaying stars and actors. <laughs> well, I, it's funny you should say that. I actually interviewed Roland Emmerich um, for White House Down, but I ended up having a, quite a long chat with him about this film. And he said what Carol Co. said to him was uh, he was supposed to be doing a Stallone movie with them called Isobar. He quit that, but they said to him, we've got this other film. And they told him, you've got this much money. It has to be about this. It has to start these two actors, but do whatever you want. And he told me that he hated the script, so he wrote a, a new script. Um, but he said that he, it doesn't really um, feel like his own movie. He said, I directed it and I was involved with the script, but it's not my style of, of film, uh, which is why he didn't yeah. get involved in any of the sequels. Well, Dean Devlin apparently was against it. He was like, we can do better than this. But Emmerich said yes, Um to it he said he knew who Dolph Lundgren was but he didn't know who Jean-Claude Van Damme was at that point which um fair enough um but the, you're right they uh, there was an initial draft of the script and he does he does he said he didn't like it it's um it was called Crystal Knights and this is a quote from Roland Emmerich he goes uh, it was about guys who sweated crystals but then eventually <laughs> became crystal and he what? described it as hokey i'm like that doesn't sound hokey it sounds fucking nuts <laughs> oh i need to read that script now <laughs> right crystal knights guys who sweat crystal who eventually become crystal uh anyway uh, they rewrote it <laughs> emmerich was interested in doing a kind of frankenstein story by uh from what he says uh, with, but with two monsters one good and one bad um so it was the first partnership of um writer uh and uh, director Dean Devlin 
and Roland Emmerich, who would go on to give us uh, the glorious Independence Day and the not-so-glorious Godzilla and the interesting sleeper hit Stargate and uh, the brilliant Jason Isaacs performance in The Patriot. So uh, there you go. Right. Shall we get into the movie with that backstory? Unless either of you have anything to add uh, about the birth of Universal Soldier. I'll just give you one other quote that Emmerich told me about his stars. He said, we were all foreign, so that was a bonding experience. They're not really actors, but they did well. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> Van Damme, uh, even before this movie came out, in one of the making of uh, programs that they released, it's almost like, don't mention Terminator 2, because if people haven't drawn that comparison, then you'll get away with it. Don't send them in that direction. But he says in this making of that I watched, it's nothing robotic like some other movies where a guy <laughs> is half human and half machine. So if you weren't thinking of Terminator 2, you're definitely now thinking of Terminator 2. It's hard <laughs> not to think about Terminator 2, though, if you saw any of the trailers for this film, because they used the Terminator 2 music in all of them. <laughs> did they really oh yeah oh yeah they were making the direct connection themselves which i mean you you do get that a lot of marketing people do that uh, weirdly demolition man they use the music from dracula in that trailer um i think that's more because it's good music rather than they want to be compared to dracula but <laughs> but, but this one it's it's definitely to have that in the back of your head you know thinking you're going to see something of that quality it's just tricking people into going to see it then it yeah. is. I saw the trailer for the Keanu Reeves movie, Chain Reaction, uh, and it was a trailer where they used the music from Speed. Oh, no. Like, as in, like, uh, remember how great that was? This won't be as good. <laughs> it's marketing, guys. That's how it works. Yeah. So um, let's start talking about the movie. Is everyone happy to talk about this? Uh, yeah. This, 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 uh, yeah. Um, wait. <laughs> this thing. So... It starts um, in the jungles of Vietnam. Um, I think you're being generous. It starts in a studio that looks a bit like the jungles of Vietnam. Like, has anywhere ever been so obviously inside? <laughs> uh, it's, it, uh, yeah, I had the same thing written down, and I was actually surprised when I found out where it was shot. Um, it isn't inside, even what? though it does look... I know, I know. Somehow what they've done is shot it outside... And then made it look like inside, and then said it's the jungles of Vietnam. Amazing. It was shot on a golf course in Arizona, apparently. <laughs> That's where they shot it, which explains why everything looks fake. All the plants look fake. But also, when the lightning flashes, I saw it reflected off a back wall. I did. Like I just did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you're. I think you've been misled. Uh, so. We immediately are thrown into the relationship of Dolph and uh, Jean-Claude uh, because the Sarge, Dolph Lundgren, he's, he's gone mad. He, he's gone mad. Uh, the war's got to him and he's expressed <laughs> his madness by hacking off people's ears to make ear jewellery. Hmm. Um, because, you know, uh, war is hell. Um, that's, that's what you do. So Jean-Claude turns up and he's all very much like, um, look... Um, he tries to reason with him. He goes, <laughs> my tour's up, you know, I want to go home. And he even says, come on, Sarge, let's go home. And Dolph Lundgren is the one who has to say, look, you, you can't just like walk away. 
don't you understand? And he's fucking right. He's wearing people's ears as a necklace. Like Jean-Claude Van Damme needs to go, we're probably past the point of, come on, Sarge, let's call it a day. Let's just go home. My tour's over. I want to go home. He's, also, he's got ears. He's also shouting, can you hear me, into his ear necklace. <laughs> yeah. Read the room, Jean-Claude. Read the room. We're, we're past the point of, let's have a sit down and have a ch- Put the ear necklace down. Let's just talk about going home. He's not going home. Um, but he is going home because <laughs> they freeze them in some ice after they kill each other. And um, in a very strange way, that that scene after they both shot each other, they both fall back. Very, very sexual. They're like, oh, oh yeah, that was a good fight. Uh, but they're dead and they get flown home. Uh, and then we're in the present day in Nevada where they've become unisol soldiers. All good so far. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Is that an accurate yeah. representation of what happened? Or, or is that a good film? Yeah, it sure is an accurate representation of what has happened. Well, uh, I, I'm not sure yet if it's a good film. I've, I've got a question. Like The atrocities like this did happen in Vietnam. Yes. One of the famous yeah. patrol units was called Tiger Force, who committed extensive war crimes against civilians and uh, during the course of the war. And stuff like that was explored in Platoon and Casualties of War. Is it right to have it in like a, to, to kick off a fun action movie like this? It, or is it unsavory or am I just being a bit too sensitive? You mean with flesh jewellery? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, in some, I see your point, but then in some ways we're, we're trying to say to the audience, this is a very bad person who is beyond redemption. So he's done the worst thing you can imagine, which is the merciless slaying of innocent civilians. I thought you'd kind of find him a little bit forgivable, Chris, because he he loves a pun. So as evil (laughs) as he is, big big fan of ear-related humour. I mean, he doesn't have a wide range of puns, but give him an ear and he'll give you a pun. Yeah. Yeah, they really beat the ear thing to death, don't they? And I, I kind of wish we we had some reason for it. It's, ne- it's never really explained. He's just a he's just yeah. a he's a serious ear guy. <laughs> but... <laughs> all, all the ear puns are rubbish. The best ear line is right at the very end before he wants to kill Jean Claude Van Damme. He goes, "Wow." You have really beautiful ears, which is just so weird. He loves fucking ears. So, yeah, he um, he loves his ears. But anyway, we're straight into We don't have to see any sort of how these guys are created. We find that out later. But they are unisol um, soldiers or unisol people, because I guess unisol is short for universal soldier. Anyway, my biggest problem straight off the bat is do not name your killing machines uh, after a uh, hemorrhoid cream. Because I, I, for a long time, I was like, Anusol. Shit, no, Unisol. Unisol, <laughs> not, an, not Anusol. <laughs> so that was, that was a big a big cross for me already because I was thinking about hemorrhoids. Yeah. Um, which, granted, all of them have expressions on their faces like they are massively suffering hemorrhoids. But I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, and yet there it is. So they're on this mission to the Hoover Dam to get some bloody terrorists, um, which 
is actually not a bad stunt, really. Um, is it? I like the the walking down of the dam bit. You mean? Yeah, or Australian repelling. repelling Apparently, um, yeah. Because they've got a great stunt coordinator on this, Vic Armstrong, a freaking legend. Like, he's done everything at some level. Um, and he he said, we, we've seen repelling on film before, but we haven't seen Australian repelling where you run forwards as opposed yeah. to backwards. It's cool, and you get a real sense of the scale. And no, we hadn't seen it before at this point. My only problem with it was they are... Australian repelling towards two terrorists who are standing there. If the terrorist had turned around at any point, <laughs> they would have just shot them in the head. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much wrong with this film. I don't think we can start asking. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that we, yeah, that's all I've got. So I might just go <laughs> make a brew and I'll join you in 40 minutes. I've nothing else. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, I liked it. It just, I, I actually, I'm a bit with you, V. It's just all a bit like, uh, I like the bit where they were jumping into the water out of the helicopter. I thought that was cool. I like the fact that you could see real people doing this, but yeah. it, it didn't give me goosebumps like good action does. No. What do you think, Chris? I think, I, yeah, I think, I think as far as the action's concerned, I feel like they saved a lot of it for the big truck stuff towards the end. I think that's where a lot of the money went, so... It's the, the the big exciting scenes are few and far between. Yeah. Do you want to touch on the truck? Because I'm a I'm a huge fan of a of a movie truck. Fee, did you like the truck? Uh, I guess. <laughs> yes, I suppose. What element of it? It's drivability. The fact what that it falls off a cliff. Which bit? <laughs> I am. Um, I, I I started looking up this truck, uh, okay. and then I I spent a lot of time uh, watching uh, the Death Race Jason Statham remake with them um, that truck because that's really cool, and then the Mad Max Fury Road truck chase, and then the Mad Max Road Warrior chase. So I didn't actually find out a lot in the end. Uh, what I did find out is um, it was voted on uh, manlymovie.net mm-hmm. as the manliest truck in movie history. That's incorrect. <laughs> what about um, Batman? Uh, the truck flip. That's the best thing that's ever happened with a truck. That's just a fact. Well, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it's the manliest movie because it's full of men. Manliest <laughs> truck. Hey, let's not forget about Ronnie, fired reporter Ronnie. I think we've got to talk about her at some point. She's not She's not on the, yeah. the truck, though, is she? She's not part of the team no, on the truck. where did she go? She just went off somewhere at that point. Can't remember. She, she was having a fag. Of course uh, most she was. God, that shit cannot stop smoking. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> she loves uh, smoking. <laughs> she really loves smoking. Uh, before we get on to uh, Ronnie, played by Ali Walker, uh, the truck uh, for truck fans, because I know there are people going, was the truck thing going anywhere? Oh, it was. Uh, the truck <laughs> started life as a Kenworth K100, which... Just in case the comparisons weren't already there, is the same truck used by the T one thousand in Terminator fucking two. <laughs> wow. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When, um... Jean-Claude and Dolph are at the dam. Uh, the press are covering this because this is the third mission by the Unisol soldiers. So Ali Walker turns up. Uh, she's having a fag. She's even having a fag on camera until a cameraman tells her to take it out of her mouth. Uh, Vicky, what did you think of the character of Ali Walker? <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> I mean, I'm... It's, her, it's her character. She likes smoking. She likes smoking. She's always got freshly washed hair, even though I think she's been on the road for five or six days at some point. <laughs> um, she's got sass. She's got attitude. She doesn't give a fuck, yeah? She'll do anything to get that story, um, which is all good. I was really distracted because the way that she plays it is quite similar. Uh, in like, tr- She's trying to be adorable, but she's trying to have like some steel at the same time. And that's a very Sandra Bullock thing to do. And so I was really distracted by the fact that she's not Sandra Bullock and why what is it that's different but there is something missing um that I just didn't really uh, get on with her as much she's a maverick yeah and I feel like in a film you should figure out that a character is a maverick but in this film Veronica says she literally tells you she doesn't play by the rules <laughs> oh she does she's the first thing she says I'm Ronnie I love smoking I don't play by the rules <laughs> That's like that's like that person that everyone goes, oh, my friends tell me I'm the crazy one in the group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I did, I, the, the smoking thing, though, it got to the point where I was like, has Big Tobacco, like, funded this movie in some way? Because 
there's even a scene. There's, there's a scene where Jean Claude Van Damme has to tell her to stop the smoking at a petrol station. Yeah, like and she's she, like, "Oh, shut up, Dad!" Like as if <laughs> it's all ludicrous. And there's another moment where he says, um, "He said he's like he reads the cigarette packet and um, and goes, um, uh, it says here smoking's bad for you.'" And she even says, don't believe everything you read. Amazing. As if like someone's giving her a nudge and going, do the fucking line. Say, <laughs> say, that's a lie. And I have evidence that I'm not allowed to release, even though I'm a journalist. <laughs> well, that's another connection between the films, isn't it? Because Stallone's desperate for a cigarette when he wakes up as well. And I think oh, he yeah. even name checks Marlboro, that he wants a Marlboro he rather does? than a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Which is a weird one. I'm, I'm guessing they still paid to have that mentioned, even though smoking is banned in the future in that film. I guess to have Stallone say he wants one is, is enough for them. Hmm. Um, it's important that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Ali Walker meet, and they meet because she wants to find out more about the Anya souls. And so she decides, <laughs> she decides that she wants to... She's got a plan. She's got a plan. So she grabs a cameraman... She's got a plan. And the plan is to just drive up to the secret base that is not secret and they can literally just drive up to and get out and start filming them. Mm. Um, this sort of reporter and cameraman thing, it, I think they literally, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, stole their own idea for Godzilla because uh, it reminds me of the their reporter cameraman thing um, in Godzilla. Mm. Which Good spot. I, I thought it was a little bit like that. And um and then we start we enter the realm of more naked torsos than Magic Mike, which we did uh only a few weeks ago. So what do you make of the Unisols at this pay play at this stage uh in, in the film? Are, are you interested in what they are, who they are? <laughs> Can I be honest? <laughs> You, you, you said enough. That sigh echoed around my office. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I oh. want to find out more. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, and see what their powers are and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what they can and can't do. And I want to see some kick-ass action. I want to know where they've been for 25 years, that this is their third mission. They've just been driving around in the freezer bus, just getting driven up to stuff, <laughs> doing some repelling. They've been frozen in 1969. Where have they been? <laughs> don't don't call that the manliest truck in movie history the freezer bus <laughs> the problem with it is though more than once in this film they go we've got to act fast everyone get off the truck we've got to go get him he's over there mm. and then they go all right and then the sides go <laughs> really fucking slowly opening and you're like uh-huh. How fast? <laughs> How fast are you planning on acting? Yeah, uh, Ali and um, Jean-Claude end up meeting because he starts flashing back when Dolph Lundgren points a gun at her and her reporter, kills a reporter, and then they're off. They're off. And it's the chase of the movie. He's in a truck, and um, initially it doesn't look like they're going to get away because uh, he stops the truck. And she goes, what are you doing? And he goes, I have to stop. Now... The reason he says I have to stop, Dean Devlin says, that line initially was quite long. It was like, I have to stop because the rules indicate that I must stop at this stop sign. And <laughs> they went, uh-huh, yeah. You're going to have to make it a little bit shorter. 
uh, for Jean-Claude than that. That's um, it's too much, too many words just there. And so Dean Devlin goes, all right, cool. And the line became, I have to stop because there is a stop sign. And apparently still too long. And that's why you get that weird line where he goes, I have to stop because that's what he was given in the end. They were like, he can handle that. <laughs> he can handle. I have to stop. Don't give him any more than that, Dean. But Dean Devlin does say that the movie, a lot of the funniness came from the fact that they just kept pulling back his lines to get to these really sort of abstract statements that didn't make any sense. <laughs> and that's why it's so funny. Oh. Um, I did end up... Do you remember the Friends episode where Jean-Claude Van Damme, it's the one after the Super Bowl where they're making Outbreak 2 and the girls both fancy Jean-Claude Van Damme? Mm, yep. I think so. I do. He's in an army uniform. Exactly, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, the whole conceit of like Outbreak 2 is hilarious. Um, but he... Um, I read a piece about uh, how they sort of developed the lines for him, the writer's room on Friends. And what they used to do is they used to affect the Jean-Claude Van Damme accent in the writer's room and read the gags that they'd written for him to see if they were Van Damme proof and he wouldn't <laughs> fuck them up. <laughs> well, I think you'd have to do I'm sure saying, they do the same with Schwarzenegger. I don't think you write a, a, a comedy line for Schwarzenegger without trying out in the accent, do you? Um... I, I don't imagine so, no. And again, his his are wonderfully short. You think this is the real Quaid? It is. <laughs> Still his best joke. There you go. Setting Alex yeah. up to do an accent there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, you said you'd kill me last. I lied. <laughs> yeah, one was enough. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I felt that too. I felt that echo, echo from the corners of London. Uh, right. And then uh, it's the chase. And then we get into much more of the, the kind of comedy feel of this movie as um, Jean-Claude Van Damme is inexplicably, despite being a human, uh, a fish out of water, uh, <laughs> which never makes a whole load of sense. So I'm not going to go through the whole chase, but I'll pick a few bits. Um they go to a motel uh, to hide out uh, for a bit, and um, he gets naked. That was nice, wasn't it? It's a thing. Yeah. So, so was the ice? Was the whole ice conceit in there so that he could be naked for long periods of the film? I it mean, could have been, I suppose. Yeah, because it doesn't. It's, well, it kind of comes up towards the end, but not in the way that you would think, where it's like, we have to get to some ice. <laughs> Otherwise, you've established you'll die. It's just like, oh, you appear to be a bit hot again. But then never mind. <laughs> yeah, he um, Van Damme says that he knew at this point, because um, this is the movie that really launched him. Uh, before this, um, the movies were smaller, and after this, he went on to uh, things like Time Cop and Street Fighter. But... He said that he knew he wasn't great at acting at this point, but he wanted to give the audience uh, what they wanted. And by his own admission, what they wanted was him getting his bum out in <laughs> his films. So, so that's why he got it out. It was a listen. It was almost. I don't know whether that works in real life. If you're not skilled at your job. Your <laughs> it's your six-month appraisal and your boss is like listen we do need to talk about your targets You're like in a minute check this <laughs> take, take everything off except for the white socks <laughs> i'm just getting ice <laughs> but it is 
is the thing going? I'm afraid. I'm afraid uh, this is just not up to the standard. Re- oh, your bum's out. Forgive and forget. <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> he really was. He offered his own bottom as an apology for not being great at acting. <laughs> I, I know I'm not good at this yet, but hello. Look who's saying hi. Look at that smile. I saw him promoting this film uh, on Arsenio Hall and he was saying that he, he likes to get his body out so that when he's in his 50s and 60s, he can look at it and show his children and grandchildren what great shape he was in. And I was thinking, wow, That's he's, he's at weird. that point now. He's at that point now. He's probably doing that as we record. But what to his poor children? He's like, look at daddy with no clothes. Like, no, I don't. That doesn't. That's not a thing. You know, you can't do that to your kids, can you? It's weird. John Claude's no? different. John Claude's different to most of us. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. For he normal on a different plane to do of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so there, there is a moment here where, um, where the other Annie souls turn up. Uh, <laughs> to... This is the best bit where they're like, we've got to get there quick, but they park about a mile down the road for some reason. <laughs> like, they're in the motel. It's got a car park. Park in the car park. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you've already got a truck that takes 20 minutes for you to be able to get out of and you've parked 20 minutes away. You've added 40 minutes to this get there fast mission. Um, but in the end, this is one of my favorite action sequences. I love people like it's not like running around dodging bullets. It's just people with guns standing there blasting the shit out of something. And I love the way they just blow up that motel where they're just standing there going, and he's running around. And like, um, it's great until this highly trained uh, crack team of Anusols uh, who are prepared for anything, they are foiled. By someone hiding under a duvet, which yeah. seems stupid. But also, and I thought you might pick up on this because of your uh, fear of people's bodies, that they they hide in the bed of a naked couple, but they're at sort of bollock level with this couple that, <laughs> they've, <laughs> that they've never never met. And they're under the duvet, so everything's trapped under there, all the stale air, all the smells, everything. And they're just under there with these people at... At, at oral sex level and i just don't know how it how all right that is um i mean it's your it's your classic dutch oven scenario exactly. right there that's, <laughs> that's I, I found it wants. so distracting and ronnie pops out and she's like i'm so sorry um, it wasn't my idea and some like whatever ad lib it's like it's well, i can't believe she's not popped ahead i'm just being like i feel so sick that's <laughs> <laughs> just i mean that would be a great joke if she just like popped her head and gone, <gasps> oh my god <laughs> You need to watch. You need to watch that love. <laughs> <laughs> that should not be there. <laughs> Ever heard of a douche? <laughs> um, well, speaking of weird moments and genitalia, um, that bit where he they think this is after they get to the petrol station and he wants her to check him for a yes a, a tracking device and now as I understand it, he is human and he yeah. knows he's human. Like he just doesn't remember a few things. So why, when he's, she's examining him and like she's around the penis area, does he go? Is that supposed to be there? 
<laughs> it's your penis. Like, how has it, I don't understand. Has he forgotten he has a penis? But also, you get to have the fun line. He sets Ronnie to the task of looking for the tracking device. So he gets to say the line, which I now understand might have been longer in the original draft, but he gets to say, look for something hard. Okay, fun, whatever. <laughs> so she finds something hard and she's like, don't worry, that's perfectly normal, which is a very, it's a quick way to take any romance or fizz out of a relationship where she's like talking to him like he's a patient or her son. <laughs> um, but also he then stabs himself in the leg to get it out. So it's like, you can stab yourself in the leg, but you can't touch your own body. That doesn't <laughs> make any sense. <laughs> And also, um, when she does, when he does ask if it's supposed to be there about his about his penis, and she goes, "That's totally normal," but a bit rude. Uh, I'd I'd want her to go, "That's that's above average," uh, yeah, but exactly. it is also normal. Yeah. Not it's not not just okay. Not that's normal. the best thing that's happened all day, or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but then we get uh, a really. Good explosion. Let's go back to the action and away from the penis. And the explosion at the petrol station is great um, because it actually provides a pretty horrific image, which is these anusols that can't feel pain, uh, just sort of standing there on fire, like as their skin melts off and lying down, almost like, oh, I can't function, so I don't feel pain, but something's wrong. I'm just going to lie down. Pretty bleak. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are interesting concepts vaguely touched upon here without properly gone into. But yeah, I think getting into the mindset of some of these other guys might have been uh, interesting because we've really got two extremes in, in Van Damme and Lundgren. But what's going on with the rest of them? Uh, yeah, Michael Jai White is one of them as well, isn't he? Which would, uh, you know, I think he would return in a later um, Universal Soldier. Um, so let's crack on. We've got another funny scene. Uh, in the restaurant, just literally played for laughs. And finally, we get to see Van Damme doing some actual Van Damme fighting. Uh, unfortunately, once again, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, <laughs> he sits at a table and there's all this food in front of him. And he looks at another person and sees them using a knife and fork and goes, oh, that's what those are for. He like, How does he not know? What like how to use a knife and fork and what food is? Yep, agreed. Uh, that's that's bonkers. And also, <laughs> um, what well, another connection between the two films? Uh, in this scene, he he beats up a bunch of people who are essentially innocent. Um, yeah, and this happens in both films. I mean, the 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 guy that runs the diner is just coming over to see if he can pay. Van Damme <laughs> makes it pretty clear that he can't pay for all this food he's bought, and then kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can pay with my fist. And <laughs> um, he, um, he is uh, the guy who goes. I've been slaving over a hot stove all morning, making you all that food to double down on the fact that he is actually justified in wanting some money. Uh, is the second unit director of Jerry Maguire? Just a little <laughs> bit of trivia for you there. A little bit of a random one, very niche, but there you go. <laughs> Uh, he has actually done loads of other stuff uh, as well. He's a stunt guy. Um, now, uh, it's time we um, get a little bit of an understanding, uh, if we hadn't done already, about who the Anusols are. So uh, we meet Dr. Exposition. Um, <laughs> Perfectly happy to tell some random woman everything <laughs> without any, barely any prompting. Yeah, she does. Uh, he does tell her, but I, I'm not sure she's listening. 
because she has he goes uh the bodies ran hot so the temperatures need to be constantly cooled or they'd stroke and she says what are you saying doctor (laughs) (laughs) it's fresh out of airplane that line (laughs) it's like i'm gonna tell you what happens but what are you saying They, they, they will have a stroke uh-huh. But what are you saying? <laughs> um, and then on we go. Police catch them in what is actually a really good gag where he thinks she's got on the bus and it pulls away. And then whammy, she's still standing there. And he's like, yay. And then the other bus pulls away and whammy, there's a hundred police pointing guns at them. Yeah, that's, that's really like a, well a rare flash of, it's really funny, but unexpected. It's really. It's. I don't know if it's actually that good, but obviously it's like slim pickings for good stuff. <laughs> I was really like, oh, here we go. <laughs> like, it's a film. But um, I actually wrote and belongs in a different, better movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. But it is a really good gag. And then we get the false ending. Uh, the truck chase, um, where the truck uh, goes over the cliff. It's all right. It's not bad, Chris. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about the budget going on the truck chase. That was the chase I mentioned that I thought uh, where they spent most of their money. And that's where they've they've tried to make Lundgren into the sort of wisecracking villain where he says stuff mm. like, do you want to play catch? And are we having fun yet? And it just doesn't quite work coming out of his mouth. It's all. It's just all a bit too wooden. Like someone, like say, for example, uh, Wesley Snipes uh, might be able to nail those moments and make them funny, but with him, it's just not working. It's quite funny. Um, Dolph Lundgren. It was Dean Devlin who tells a story about, um, uh, and he is laughing as he says it. He goes, <laughs> uh, "Dolph approached this movie in a very serious way, considering it was an action karate movie." Um, <laughs> And Dolph actually does say that he did loads of work on it. He built a backstory, worked out the 50 questions you have to be able to answer on your character. He had his acting coach on set. And then he says, um, as you get a little older, you realise you don't need all that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it didn't work that time round, why bother? (laughs) He's he's quite funny in real life as well, Dolph Lundgren. It just doesn't seem to translate into the movies when he's trying to be funny. It's weird, isn't it? I've interviewed him for... I've only interviewed him once on the on the carpet for Aquaman. Uh, you know, he plays King Neris in Aquaman. He was all right, but no, yeah, he was funny. He was, like, surprisingly funny and relaxed and not at all like he is on screen. I got I got in a ring with him and, and, and did some, some sort of almost like light sparring with him a few years you, ago. Do you think you did that? I don't know if that's what it would have been. No offence, well, but he's it's, fucking it's massive. Not, it's not really sparring. I was holding, we were holding the bag for each other and punching the bag. So whatever that's called. Um, okay. And I was interviewing him while we did that. Uh, it was this idea I'd had to do this at a boxing gym. And it was a good idea until I got into the ring and I was having to hold it while he was punching it, this bag, and I'm asking questions. And I'm you were really, flying six foot in the air. I'm really, really struggling to sort of catch my breath and speak while he's hitting this bag. And he's clearly hitting it really softly. 
and he's not particularly <laughs> impressed with my punches as well when it's my turn he kind of um he's quite uh rude to me but he, at the same time he's very funny he's very good at impressions i think he did marlon brando and he did stallone and he went through all the impressions he does he was like alex but good at impressions and... <laughs> <laughs> um, he he's apparently super smart as well i sort of started reading about him like he went to mit he was like a did he? genius level yeah 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 he's oh like, yeah it's like ro- you know because rocket scientist isn't it they say that he was yeah something crazy yeah um that he's like super smart super strong you know if only he could have added acting to that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think if you look at their careers, I mean, he's good. At, he's good in the in the Creed Creed Two. I thought he was good in that. But actually, yes. Van Damme finally finally pulled it out of the bag with the. If you ever saw JCVD, where he played yeah. uh, quite a dark version of himself, and he's he's brilliant in that. Um, mm. But yeah, again, few and far between the, yeah. the good performances from these fellas. You and Dolph Lundgren in that ring must have looked a bit like, you remember the fake fight that they had that everyone thought was real for like 10 seconds at Cannes Film Festival to promote the movie? They were on the red carpet and they started shoving each other back and forth, weirdly enough, right in front of all the paparazzi. And everyone's like, oh my God, feud. And then it emerged later that they literally made that uh, came up with the idea in the hotel room before they left. Like, let's do that. And then everyone bought it. Uh, chemical so, engineer. Um, Dolph was a chemical engineer. Just look that up. Oh. It's always nice to know when you're telling a story that someone else is on the internet looking something <laughs> up. But, I, I uh, knew that story. Oh, good. 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 Um, right. So. Nearing the end now, we get the false ending where you think Dolph's gone over the cliff. Uh, Vic Armstrong, uh, maybe, uh, copying. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the tank going over the cliff in The Last Crusade, which obviously mm. Vic Armstrong uh, also did uh, the stunt choreography for. Um, so there you go. Uh, that just might, might just be me. Um, not to take anything else away from Vic Armstrong, one of the greatest stunts in cinema is his stunt in The Last Crusade where he jumps uh, from the horse onto the tank as Indiana Jones, uh, which is his favorite stunt. When I interviewed him, he was like, that's the stunt I'm most proud of because it's fucking dangerous. <laughs> uh, he didn't, didn't use the F word. He's a gentleman, but, oh, uh, that's but a shame. Yeah. and uh, then we have the fight at the end. Uh, Van Damme meets his parents. Um, they have a, Dolph Lundgren turns up, he's like, not dead, you've got beautiful ears. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> thresh, 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 thresh. Turned his little chunks. Um, Van Damme is losing at this point um, until he injects himself with the same super serum that Dolph has. Uh, the message seeming to be, if you want to win, kids, take drugs. <laughs> and, um, and then he threshes him. Uh, and turns him into little chunks. And his last line, his brilliant put down is, uh, Sarge, you're discharged. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's not as good as the one after one where, uh, there's a, another one where uh, Ali Walker goes, where is he? <laughs> and Van Damme goes, he's around. He's around, yeah. That's quite funny. That's but she doesn't go, what do you mean? Which is what you would say. Like, <laughs> is, is he here or is he not here? Because it's really important. <laughs> you know, he's killing people. So, I, I, you know, he just threw a fucking grenade at me. Answer the question. I, I also, at the start of that sequence, I like the bit of exposition that Dolph says. He says, uh, nice barn, exactly like you described it in Nam." Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I've forgotten about that. 
Oh, yeah. that, was a, that, was a, that was a slow day in Nam. <laughs> tell, t- tell me about your barn. Uh, uh, there is an alternate ending. Yes. Uh, did you watch I, it, Alex? I, I did watch it. Oh, my it. God. I, I, I read it on paper, so I, I'll quickly explain it. On paper, it's uh, about how uh, Devereaux... Um, uh, Dolph Lundgren uh, turns up. Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, uh, despite not remembering anything, does remember where his parents kept a rifle 25 years ago. Uh, <laughs> so he, <laughs> he gets that out. His mum's at the door. Dolph Lundgren shoots his mum dead. Uh, and then he fights Dolph Lundgren, but without using drugs, kids. So he does it just using strength and willpower. Then Dolph Lundgren's dead in the same way. And then... Jean-Claude Van Damme's father shoots Jean-Claude Van Damme. What? Then Dr. Exposition turns up with loads of other men and goes, yeah, it was a trap. These aren't your parents. They're just a couple of plants. We needed to get you and Dolph Lundgren in the same place to kill both of you. And so they kill Jean-Claude Van Damme until the police arrive with a press crew and they use a fire extinguisher, New McGuffin, to cool <laughs> down Jean-Claude Van Damme. And he comes back to life. And then... He's reunited with his real parents. Ali Ross is, um, gives, uh, and then Ali Ross gives this, um, not Ali Ross, Ali uh, Walker <laughs> gives this um, uh, huge uh, sort of eulogy over this sort of sunlit, like autumnal, like um, epilogue where she says um, he, uh, he was a wonderful man. He chose not to have any uh, drugs to prolong his life and died a natural death quite soon after <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's so bizarre. She she says he should be, so, he should remembered he should be remembered for his gentleness and unyielding compassion. Tell that to the guy who ran the it, diner. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and he was an, it's like Jean Claude Van Damme literally went. I'll tell you what to write here. He was an extraordinary human being. He will be missed, and that's how the film ends. Him just deciding to die. <laughs> So, on paper, it doesn't sound that bad. To watch it, it's so awful. It's the worst thing. It's so tonally at odds with everything else in the movie. It, like, goes for... It, like, lurches from... uh, We just uh, threshed the Sarge to pieces, did a couple of jokes about him being around, and now here's some mawkish sentimentality, and he's dead. Bye! (laughs) Right, that's the end of the movie. Let's do the bits. Um, so best scene in the film. Start with you, Chris. Um, I am. Uh, oh, you didn't. You didn't mention that Body Count by Ice T plays over the end credits. That's is that the oh, best? I'm bit? coming to it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess. I guess when he gets put in the meat grinder, I. I it's quite a shocking uh, turn of events there at the end, and I do wonder if the Kern brothers were watching Universal Soldier when they wrote Fargo. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so meat grinder for me. V? I I haven't written anything. Um, I was hoping that <laughs> <laughs> which I never do. I'm normally re- reasonably prepared. I was quite so similar. yeah, I I'm just gonna busk this one and say <laughs> well- <laughs> People who busk stuff don't say they're gonna busk it just but everyone knows you're busking it now. <laughs> um I really like the bit <laughs> When 
the sword has been put through the chipper or whatever it is. And Jean-Claude Van Damme goes to his parents and his dad says, don't worry about us, son. And I thought, that is such a dad thing to say. You've been reunited with your son who you thought was dead. You've been tied up by a lunatic and nearly killed with a grenade. And then your son, who you thought was dead, let's just repeat that, comes to set you free. You're like, don't worry about me. So don't worry about us. We are fine. That's my best scene. Okay. Felt like you were busking it a bit there, V. Um... <laughs> I really hoped something funny would come to me. You know the way it normally does, like, say, 99% of the time, um, and it didn't. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going with... Uh, thank you uh, for highlighting it, Chris. Um, I'm pleased that you also know body count because the best <laughs> moment in the film is when the credits start. Uh, and I'm not just being a dick. Uh, it is when the credits start because... I'd forgotten about body count. Um, did you love body count as a kid, Chris? No. No. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm from the home counties. That's not my, that's not my right. thing. Sorry. Damn it. I thought we finally had some common ground outside film. Um, so body count <laughs> is Ice-T's hard rock band. Uh, the, the album I had is there. I think they only did one, or I only had one, from 1992. It's called Body Count. Uh, the song that plays at the end of this movie is Body Counts in the House. <laughs> I literally went on Spotify and uh, relived my teenage years of listening to Body Count. Um, I suggest you do the same, but uh, not when any kids are in the room, because I had the pleasure of listening to Mama's Gonna Die Tonight, <laughs> Evil Dick, <laughs> and, and one of the best Body Count songs, genuinely and hilariously, KKK bitch. <laughs> it sounds amazing. <laughs> Evil dick. That's wicked. <laughs> oh, they are grotesque creations and strangely fun, although you feel dirty afterwards. Uh, MVC, Chris. Um, or MVW, most valuable, whatever. Most valuable ever. I am going for uh, Dolph Lundgren's ear necklace. I, <laughs> I think they missed a trick not uh, selling them as toys. <laughs> All right, V, you got something for this? So we'll ask him. Yeah, I, I only did it about 20 minutes ago. But um, Colonel Perry, who's the man who gets all the lines, it's like the Pentagon can stick this up their ass or whatever he says at the beginning because he's running this black ops military madness seemingly outside of any government jurisdiction. So where he's getting his funding from, I don't know. Uh, but I just like the way he turns his mouth down. Um, and that's, that's my answer. Did you not think <laughs> no one else turns their mouth down like Colonel Perry does in Universal Soldier? Yeah? No one thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it so obvious when you're looking for help. No one thought it. Oh. <laughs> Al? Uh, yeah. Uh, I am going uh, with... Uh, I'm, weirdly, I'm going with Dolph Lundgren. Um, I actually think like the fact that he spent so much time building this character off screen and really working at it and trying to create a backstory. And it's all like way too much for such a stupid role. And it just makes his psychopath seem even more psychotic because he's sort of trying so hard. So yeah, I love him. I think he's actually really good fun in this movie. So Dolph Lundgren, what would you change, Chris? Um, I would shift the opening scene in Vietnam slash on a golf course slash in a building. <laughs> um, 
I would shift that to later in the film and some create some mystery and suspense so that when Van Damme and Lundgren start changing and their personalities are so different, we don't quite know why and we don't know why they've got it in for each other or one's after the other one. So I just think you could have you could have had a bit more fun with uh, that reveal. So you think at the start of this movie, you should have had mystery and suspense, almost like if we started this podcast by talking about how much we hated one of the films this week <laughs> and, you know, kept the mystery and suspense going. Hate is a strong word, Alex. Yes, it is. Vicky, what would you change? Um, right, so this romance between Ronnie and JCVD, I have never been less convinced by anything in my entire life than I have by this romance. So I think they should be friends, right? So they do have a connection, but it's friends. It's a platonic thing. And then she should help him become a news anchor. Um, and then she should start her own network with a with a spunky spirit, as she does. And he can be on camera because he's so good looking. Um, yeah, that's my change. Okay, uh, I would. Um, I'd quite simply. Uh, it's a big one for me uh, this week. Uh, it's the script. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole thing, really. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's a bunch of hot baked ideas. Doesn't really go anywhere. And I don't know who the movie's for. I, I really don't. I don't know. Like it's what? just like it's not good uh, in terms of like a casual sci-fi movie goer or an adventure movie. Like I, I don't know who. And it doesn't it, it, like the violence isn't. It's not the action's not good enough to make you go. I want to go see uh, that because the action's good. I'm, I'm not sure, Chris. It's for thirteen-year-old boys. Uh, it was for me at that time, and people of my ilk, idiots, basically. Uh, <laughs> so I think no, definitely. I think it's. I, I would disagree with that. I feel like it's very much made for that audience. It just doesn't quite maybe pull it off. But it was fun watching those two blokes square off with each other for the first time but as you say it takes a little bit too long to get to that moment i i saw one of the sequels and i was like, oh, that's so weird that's so weird i was just gonna remember i just remembered as well that um, we hadn't talked about the sequels and we said we were gonna see we do have things in common chris yeah well there were two sequels starring burt reynolds i don't it's you should maybe check out alex yeah, that, 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 that was 1998 and 1998, straight to TV yeah. movies, apparently. And Burt Reynolds was not in a good place in 1998, so it's a pass from me. So so I, I was at a film festival and I saw Day of Reckoning, the one that's quite pretty acclaimed, really. It's about the Universal Soldiers sort of going underground and forming a cult. Van Damme and Lundgren are yeah. both in it. Uh, and there's a guy that's even bigger than the pair of them, a UFC guy called the Pitbull who's just a monster and uh it's i mean it's not great but it's it's pretty entertaining and um i think it's at least and it's really violent apparently isn't it it is yeah i mean it it delivers on the fight it's almost like a sort of fight club thing going on uh underground Mm. and no it's it's well worth checking out if this is your kind of thing that's uh, that's the that's the one that sort of uh, uh, piqued my interest when I was there doing some research. I watched the trailer a couple of times. It looks mental and um, <laughs> like really uh, kind of like nuts. And apparently the gore is quite high in it, and it's all arty and like really pop pop the colours pop and stuff. And um, but more interestingly than all that is it's directed by John Hyams. And the son. No. Of, <laughs> yes, class pod favourite, Peter Hyams. I, I met him. Yeah. I met him after I saw the film. I was walking to a bar afterwards. 
and got... did you talk to him about any of the great Peter Himes movies that we've talked about? Like, um, you know, the Relic. I told him in eight years' time I'll be doing a podcast with Alex Zane and Vicky Compton, <laughs> and we will talk about the Relic. And he was impressed. <laughs> Blew his mind. That's only so. It's only so far though, because we've, we're going to do Outland and Time Cop, and um, stay tuned at some point. I'm sure, uh, which are all great Peter Holmes movies. Was he nice, John Holmes? He was very nice. He was very worried and nervous uh, because it was the first time an audience had seen his film. Um, oh, well. And I told him not to be worried that I felt like it did deliver on the promise. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, that's pretty much Universal Soldier done and dusted. Um, Christopher, do you have a quiz to f- for us? <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, this week, the quiz is called Who Am I? And if you're a regular listener to the Football Ramble, it's not too dissimilar to a quiz that Pete uh, Donaldson does. Um, but it's also a very well-known quiz. So I'm going to give you a series of facts about an actor and you have to guess who the actor is. Uh, I've, got, I've got three actors and seven clues per person, but I'm hoping it won't take you all seven. So the rules are you've got one guess per clue, both of you. Okay. Okay. So uh, who am I? First one. I was born in 1952. <laughs> um, uh, but it's not football related or it is football related. Sorry. It's action movie <laughs> star related. That was a okay. very important <laughs> fact that I should have stated. <laughs> I, I, am, I have appeared in multiple action movies. Who am I? Uh, I was born in 52. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Vicky. Uh, I don't know. Next my, clue. My big break was playing a knight in Excalibur. Uh, yeah. It's not Bruce Willis, is it? Nope. Alex? Okay. Uh, no, I got nothing. I was nominated for a Best Actor Oscar in 1994. For what film? <laughs> <laughs> I lost to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Oh... Uh, it's not Daniel Day-Lewis. Like my... He's not an action movie. No. Moving on. I've appeared in two Batman movies. Oh. Why am I not getting this? Uh, number five. Not I me. voiced the same lion in two movies. Oh, it's... Oh! Oh! Mm. <laughs> oh, shut, shut, shut up, brain. Do, do another clue. Number six. I have a very particular set of skills. Oh, Liam Neeson! Oh, Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Alex got it first. <laughs> well played, Alex. <laughs> Thanks. And it was Schindler's List he was nominated for an Oscar, which is not an action oh, movie. of course. All right. No. Uh, the second action star. I was born in 1967. Uh, my real... Oh, Jackie, Jackie Chan. Nope. My real name is Mark Sinclair. Oh, it's... Oh, I know. Vin Diesel. Correct. Oh. Yes. Well done. Well played, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I was going to talk Thanks. about his I love of Dungeons him. and Dragons. I didn't know if that was going to be a, a, a clue for you, Alex, particularly. Um, I, I did a round for um, an isolation quiz. The only reason I know that is because I did a round which was uh, the actual, the real names of certain celebrities and he was on there. Uh, my final clue for that one was Dwayne Johnson doesn't like me. Um, no, did you <laughs> hear right. they're never, they're never, they're never going to be in a Fast and the Furious movie together again? A Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, <laughs> it's just another spin-off they're doing. Uh, okay, final one. This one's just for fun now. As Alex is victorious, but um, I was born in 1964. My... Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> nope. My big break was a time travel movie. Uh, don't know. Uh, clue three. In Chris Tilly's opinion, my bad acting spoiled two otherwise great early 1990s movies. <laughs> Making friends. Uh, uh, no, I don't know. My directorial debut was a movie called Man of Tai Chi. Uh, I know this. And I sat next to Chris Tilly at the premiere for that one. Uh, God, love yourself. And he gave me popcorn, <laughs> and we've discussed it on a previous episode. Keanu Reeves! Yes, oh, correct. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. oh, Three oh, nil. Yeah. Brutal. Oh, well, there, there you go. Well, you were on the same podcast. You could have, you could have got that, Vicky. So, <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned how busy I am? I'm kidding. <laughs> and, the, and those, uh, and, and those two movies he spoiled are Dracula and Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, he doesn't yeah. spoil Dracula. He's, He's the best thing. Un- borderline unwatchable, though. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> it very much depends what you're looking for, babe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, no one comes out of Dracula very well. <laughs> Listen to the children of the night. What beautiful <laughs> meows it go, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so just before we leave, Chris, any other business? Yeah, I got we got a couple of emails um that were of interest, I thought. We got a lovely email from someone called uh Jory Tainer. I hope I've pronounced that right, Jory. Um, who's from Finland, um, who says he's only just discovered the podcast but has listened to 19 episodes in just a few days. So apologies. Yuri, <laughs> no, you get a certificate for that. I think. That's uh, rough. And he said he will be following. <laughs> he'll be following us as long as we make them. He made a suggestion um, for a film or even three films that we could do. Uh, but it's this battle in my head about how obscure we go when we make our picks. Um, because he wants us to do a Finnish movie from 1955. Um, called Unknown Soldier, which has been remade twice, and it's the most watched film, it sounds like, in Finnish history. But I wonder if if we were to do those films, only people in Finland would listen to that episode, which could be a real problem for us. When you say it's been remade, has it been remade um, as, uh, like, American movies? No, it's been remade in Finland in 85 and 2017 as well. So there's three versions of it, based on a true-life World War uh, two story. It sounds great, and I do want to check it out, but I'm just not sure we can. Okay, by doing that on the show. Well, uh, let's put it. Let's put it down as a maybe. Never say never. Let's put it down as a maybe. Okay, it's a, it's a like hard maybe. Uh, and also, <laughs> we got a great email from uh, Adam Smith, who uh, says, "When I was a kid in the 1980s, one of my classmates' father worked in film production. Uh, for my for my classmates' show and tell, he brought in the Rockbiter puppet for us to see." <gasps> And that's the rock biter from Neverending Story, which, of course, we covered last week. He said, I remember it being pretty small and very similar to Gordon the Gopher. Uh, I was in year five (laughs) at the time, so it would have been in the late 80s when this happened. That's amazing. Well, sometimes you don't want to see behind the curtain, huh? And he also made a very good suggestion for an episode, which I'm not going to say out loud, because one of the films has an anniversary coming soon, and it could be coming to this podcast if I have anything to do with it. But great suggestions, Adam. Love it. 
Lovely stuff. Um, all right, uh, we are doing Demolition Man on Thursday as the rival facing off against Universal Soldier. Uh, but looking ahead to the week after, they're Vicky's choices. Vicky, do you want to give us a clue at this stage for what those choices might be? Yeah, I've got a clue, but don't guess too hard because I don't want you to get it right. Are you ready? Yeah. Living yeah. on borrowed time. Yeah. Right. Living on borrowed time. Don't think about it. Don't guess. No, <laughs> don't we'll think. Get it we right. will It'll think. be unfair. We will think. All right, then. We are done for episode uh, one of this week. Uh, not episode one, but episode one of this week. That is Universal Soldier done and dusted. We will be back in just a couple of days to talk through its competitor, Demolition Man. If you haven't watched it already, get to watching it ASAP and hit us up online at ClashPod. We are on Twitter awaiting your communication. And please do rate and review us and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be magic. Thank you very much. Be back on Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.